Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. Oh, and it's a new backdrop, a little more zen-like with the we nice sides of the table. We switch sides yes. of the table because the, the wife is going to be coming in with groceries here in, in a couple minutes. So can I, get a, I, can I get a snack? I need some chips or a piece of food. I can get you some. I can get you some. Yeah. I'll, Just I'll throw it through the, the virtual network, let's, the VPN. Let's, let's, she usually gets about maybe 30% of what I ask for. You know, they have fruit in Minneapolis when it's this damn cold. Well, I can ship it in from somewhere. I, I, I'm not, not going to vouch for the quality of it. It's there. I can get it. But yeah, it's a balmy four degrees right now. Nice. With another one of those red exclamation points telling me there's some weird, horrible weather coming. Oh, like nice. Four of those a nice. Week. Yeah. Well, hey. But we are all ecstatic as we join the show. And the name of the show is Boing Voyage Big Ben. I thought this was going to be the game in which this was his last game. But before we jump into that, we're just going to freestyle the show. We're happy. I mean, goodness gracious. We did not see a potential playoff run in this team, but we've got to talk about it now because unless there is a tie later on this evening, between the Chargers and the Raiders, which will not happen. The Steelers are playoff bound, and Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger Sr. is still playing football. But before we jump into that, wow! if you want to hop onto the program, join us on YouTube. Do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. Also, if you want to hop on the show or involve yourself with the show via podcast platform, do a search Apple Pod, Google Pod, Spotify, for the new standard and Steelers, and you will find a show. I just posted it hot on Twitter, inviting all the, the ladies of Steeler Nation to hop on the show. Please hop on the show. We get a lot of guys on the show. We need more ladies, more ladies than just Felicia. Big up to Felicia. Man, I'm excited, Neil. Good Lord, Neil. Did you think that the Steelers would, would be in the playoffs this year? I know you didn't. Nope. Neil, what's up? <laughs> playoffs? <laughs> I wrote them off for the playoffs back at five wins, four wins. I mean, it, it's I I can't explain what has happened this season, except it just seems to me the Steelers played in and won at least four games this season that they had no business winning. Today was one of them. The Ravens should have absolutely dominated, and they were for a, a, a stretch of time. They didn't get points out of it, but Najee Harris goes down. You've got Benny Snell in there showing everything why it is the Steelers drafted Najee Harris in the first round in the first place. You saw it. You saw it. You got another reasonable performance out of uh, J.C. Hassenauer for the Steelers. Once again, kind of showing that maybe Kendrick Green is more of a problem than we thought. It wasn't a great game up front for the Steelers by any stretch, but the running back can't see where he's going. And that's what we saw all game from Benny Snell. And you have a Steelers team that is that weakened offensively a quarterback who I'm sorry but he, he's he's falling apart he can't he, he was horrible last week I don't think he played all that I don't think he's played all that well in a while now um today he was bad he missed a lot um his receivers didn't help him out uh, they, they tried to do everything they could at the end late but you're you're looking at a team that not only should not have gone to the playoffs I don't think they should have won more than five games and in all honesty Lance I don't think we've seen a worse Steelers football team since maybe 1998. They are objectively bad 
And the fact that they're going to the playoffs with a, a nine, seven and one record. Um, that's it, right? Nine, seven, one. I, I, I don't even have the words to describe it. I, there, there are going to be a, a lot of conversations this off season, trying to figure out exactly how this team achieved what it did, but it, it's one of the more remarkable seasons I think that we've seen lately because none of this should have happened. None of it was, was expected. This is not a good football team. And I keep saying that week in and week out. Um, they're probably going to get their arch nemesis here in the next round, but wow. It, and, what, we'll, what a and, we'll weird talk, year. and we'll talk about that because I, you, the playoff picture is fluid, so I'm not sure what seed they would be. Would they be the seventh seed? But we'll talk about that after this comment. I want to get your thoughts on who their matchup might be. I'm going to quote a, a famous line, I think, from the movie Riddick. You keep what you kill. And I don't disagree with anything that you said except for one thing. Their record is 9-7-1. And that qualifies them probably for the playoffs. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters at this point. It doesn't matter if I think they're any good, you think they're any good, Steeler Nation thinks they're any good. Their record qualifies them for the playoffs. Now, what that means for them moving forward next year, but you keep what you kill. You get what you deserve. You get what you earned. There are uh, quite a few games, like we mentioned, uh, you know, I, I think the Tennessee Titan game was a weird game for them to win. I think the Buffalo game was a weird game for them to win. This yeah. game was a weird have to, game for them. There, there's several. However, at the end of the tally, they won nine of them. And that might be all they need to get to the playoffs in a very weird AFC that has been impacted by COVID, different injuries, and a whole bunch of stuff. And this is all you want. You want an opportunity to get into the tournament to compete for a championship. That's all you want. The fact that this team, their highest and best trait, simply put, Lance, is that they win games. That's the only thing they do well. <laughs> that's that's it. Find me anything else that they're doing well as a team. Yes. I think I think the Browns let off the gas. They should have run the ball straight through them all game. They didn't. I don't know why, but they didn't. Baltimore clearly showed they were capable of doing that. They put the ball in Tyler Huntley's hands. I don't know why. That the interception he threw in the end zone was one, a horrifically lazy pass. I, I was bothered by how bad that was. And two, why are you throwing the ball? There is no sense for them to do that at all. Pittsburgh has had multiple situations like this. They're the ones who choose not to lose the game. And their opponents, I don't know what they're doing. I, I can't tell you, but it's happened multiple times. The Steelers really don't do anything well. It's, it's been brought up a couple times. Yes, I know T.J. Watt's a great player. He finished with 22 and a half sacks. That ties him with Michael Strahan for the record, by the way. And he got an extra game plus an overtime period to do it. Still couldn't break it. But the, the long and the short of it is the, the amount of flaws this team has grossly outweighs the strengths that it have that it has i don't think they have a strength outside of the fact that they win games that's it you know that's interesting because we often talk about experience versus a lack of experience particularly down the stretch in ball games and making critical plays at critical times to get the win and winning games closing out games and winning games is a skill and i agree with you they have a lot of flaws in a lot of areas, 
but how to close out tight games and win tight games is a very good skill. And you saw the difference in that game with the Huntley turnover. And me and Neil had a very interesting oh. text message about oh. the Huntley turnover that we'll keep off air. <laughs> but that, that's not that's not a bad quality to have. Like, hold on a second. You know how bad that makes me sound, Lance. <laughs> we we had a conversation we can't tell anybody about about Tyler Huntley's interception. It was nothing like that. Okay, it wasn't even no. me. Lance did. No, no, I did it. I did it. Was it was it was pretty funny. But we can't <laughs> we can't take you behind the curtain. But let's just say I replayed the play and watched it after it happened. <laughs> and yes, it. <laughs> and watched it. After I, I wasn't it there, but yes, that is what it what it was. Yes, I uh, I, I uh, believable decision, an unbelievably bad throw in a huge moment. They needed that field goal so bad. Why would you throw the ball? Oh my yeah. God. Oh, and pick up to Friday 92. We got somebody chiming in from France. Hey, man, yeah. oh, big up to you. I, I, I love getting people from different countries chiming into the program. And big up to vaping all day. And this is what I wanted to talk about. Vintage Ben Roethlisberger. And here's the interesting thing about this game is in so many ways, this game, of course, it was full circle. He got his first start against the Ravens. This is his last probably regular season NFL start against the Ravens. It is great for him to beat the Ravens in that setting. But this game looked such so much vintage Ben Roethlisberger. It was ugly. It was gritty. It wasn't gaudy. It wasn't perfect. It was inconsistent. There were some bad throws. There were some bad decisions. But it, when it came down to it in winning time, they found a way to win the game. It took five quarters. I was hoping they weren't going to tie because it was kind of looking like that. Yeah, but I, man, honestly, I was shocked there was a winner in this game. This I, just I looked really, like this looked like was so awful. vintage Ben Roethlisberger, so vintage Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Ravens, where it comes down to one score, field goal, typically really tough game, really physical. This kind of just to me, put a perfect bow on Ben Roethlisberger's career because when I, you know, I'm not going to remember Ben in terms of, you know, just for sheer quarterbacking, I'm not going to think of him like Peyton Manning. I'm not going to think of him like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to think of him like Drew Brees or like Tom Brady, you know, just super meticulous in the pocket. They don't make very, you know, a lot of mistakes, great reads, ball comes out fast when it hits and I'm not going to really think about Ben Roethlisberger in that same way. You know what I'm going to think about? I'm going to think about what vaping said all day. Ben Roethlisberger converting the fourth and eight. And I'm going to think about that W on the scoreboard. And that's what Ben Roethlisberger did numerous times over and over and over and over in his career. It may not have looked pretty, but at the end of the day, a W is better than an L. It's the only thing this team does well. I, I really can't put it any differently than that. It was an atrocious game by Roethlisberger, almost as bad as it was last week. And last week was probably the worst game he ever played. This was on that level it, as far as uh, the, the lack of production, as far as the lack of accuracy, which was really bad. I get that it was raining out, but 
when the rain is affecting you that much as a passer, you shouldn't be out there. He was miserable in this game. Um, somehow they made a couple plays at the end. There was no big play. I don't think made. It, it, Najee Harris's uh, run in overtime might have been the longest play of their, their day today. I don't think they got 300 yards of offense. They turned the ball over. There is just simply no reason why they should have won this game. And I've said that on this segment, I don't know how many times this year, Lance, but more than than it more than makes me feel anything short of this is it's miraculous. I mean, really, this this team is so not good uh, by by any standards at which we would have measured success on a football field. This team isn't any of that except for nine wins, which isn't fantastic by any stretch, but it is like five more than they probably should have had. Uh, all things being equal. Um, I, I, this is one of those years. I think we're going to look back and laugh eventually, but um, it, it was awful in, in so many ways. And we would have been gnashing teeth and throwing things and swearing if they lost the last two games. And in, in many ways they should have, but they dominated the Browns somehow or other. That game was never competitive. And the Ravens had every opportunity to step on their throats and, and put them out. And the Ravens just didn't, they, they, seemingly decided not to and there wasn't an issue with that um it, it, late game baltimore really didn't get themselves back into it what a nightmare it, it, crazy absolutely crazy and, and big up to edward james gardner bringing up a mention of uncle sam subs in oakland and if you if you're from pittsburgh you know uncle sam subs uncle sam subs was around the corner from Primanti brothers and that's one of the uh, – they actually had better sandwiches than Primanti Brothers. I used to go to Uncle Sam's Subs and get subs all the time. They had the picture of Bill Freilich in there, Ironhead, Hayward, all the pit players. Uncle Sam's Subs was was way better. I'm not sure if Uncle Sam's is still open. But to Ollie Howard Species, his comment, Neil, they don't ask how. And when you look at some of these numbers, you can't ask how. It's just don't they just- – yeah, it, it, unless you did. want, unless you want a colossal mind fuck, don't look at the stats because it, it for the second week in a row, it makes absolutely no sense. What we know about the game of football is not complete by any stretch. It's not comprehensive even in comparison to a lot of people. But we know what it, what statistics of a winning football game would look like, and that has not been the case for a lot of wins for the Steelers. This game, last game, the Titans game, which still might have been the worst out of all of them. Do you realize they're a tie away from not even having had to play this game? You know, a tie yes. against the Lions. Yes. A game that, that shouldn't have happened either. Yeah. Yeah. So I I take that back. Five five wins that they shouldn't have won and a tie that they probably should have won. So you put all that together, the, the results of this, it, it's mind-boggling. It just doesn't make any sense. And people like me, yes, I understand they don't count or care, or at least that's what they tell you. I assure you they have people digging into these very questions what exactly happened in this game. And I really don't have any other excuse than they know exactly who they are. They don't try to be something else. Baltimore is the team that needed a fake punt against the Steelers for some reason. Baltimore is the team whose quarterback threw into triple coverage in the end zone. Baltimore is the team that had opportunities to run the football straight up the hind parts of the Steelers in the second half and were. There was there was a point Lamont Murray had – I think 100 yards on five carries. And you never saw him again. He didn't get hurt. I, I don't know what happened. They just they stopped doing it. Let me give you his numbers for the game. 
Murray was 16 for 150. <laughs> he averaged 9.4 <laughs> yards per carry. 16 for 150 is like a college number. That and, is and, and, just and, ridiculous. And, and to look at the numbers difference, you know, the Steelers only ran it 30, ran it 30 times for 79 yards. The Ravens uh, did, ran it 36 did, did times. Did even have 16 yards? Snell had 22 yards on 12 mm. carries. <laughs> they outgained the Steelers on the ground alone by 170. You were close to being right in terms of the total number for the game. Uh, the Steelers had 314 yards to the Ravens, 381. That, that's five over. That, that's five quarters of football. Five quarter. It took them five quarters to amass 314 yards. 314 yards on average would be the lowest in the league over a, uh, the course of a season. They had five quarters, and that's all they got. Just yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's and this is one of those games. And l- let's flip it to the playoff picture. Um, what what's the playoff picture? What's the seeding look like? I'm I'm not aware because I typically just follow that stuff after the fact. Um, I I know that the Titans locked up the number one seed. I know the Chiefs have the two. I'm assuming that the Steelers would be the seven seed and would play Kansas City next week. The Steelers, um, I believe, would would be head to head, head to head. Yes, of course they lost to both the Chargers and the Raiders. Keep that in mind. Uh, one of them will be eliminated with a loss tonight, and the other one will get the sixth seed over Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh will be the seventh seed in the playoffs, assuming they don't tie, which has a 0.2% possibility uh, of happening. They're, the conspiracy theory, of course, is that both teams are just going to kneel down like that's going to happen, and people think that's great and cool. Uh, no, they're going to play football. That, that's what they do because the difference is playing Buffalo versus playing Kansas City right now. Um not that either of those let, look let, good for any of the let, three teams. Let me, let me pause you but, real. Let me pause you real quick as you go and before you go back into your breakdown of the playoffs. Fans, listeners, they're not kneeling. Guys have incentives. They have likely to be achieved incentives and not likelies. Either way, there's money on the line in these games. You play a certain amount of snaps, you a certain amount of yards, a certain amount of catches. Whatever these these guys want to get paid. These guys are independent contractors trying to get money. They're trying to bring that check home to family. They're trying to get paid. They're trying to put good film out there. They're trying to stay in the National Football League. They are not kneeling for anybody. This is their dream. They want to continue to play football for the short amount of time that they can play football, which is probably five years or less for most of them. So there will be there will be no kneel downs. And if you've ever gone to a Raider game, I had Raider season tickets in 1995 to watch one game. That was a Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers game against the Raiders in the Coliseum. It cost me 16 bucks a ticket. So I paid like a hundred bucks for season tickets to watch one game. And let me tell you, Raider fan beat up San Diego Charger fan, or it was San Diego Charger fan at that time. It wasn't Los Angeles. They beat those fans up, up out of the stadium. That is a rivalry game. They want to eliminate the other. There is no way there is a handshake deal between the Chargers and the Raiders. Someone will win that game. There will be no kneel down, no tie. Come on, you dummy, Twitter, typers, whatever. Get out of here with that bogus stuff. That's my rant in the middle of the show. So, Neil, please, coolly and calmly and succinctly, please get back to your breakdown of the playoffs. 
playoffs. <clears throat> You're kidding me. And you absolutely are. Um, the Steelers will be. Uh, let's just cut out the tie garbage. We're talking way too much about a tie that just simply won't happen. Um, the Steelers are going to clinch the seventh seed with either outcome tonight. The loser of the Chargers and Raiders game, which is Sunday Night Football, very well called by the NFL. Um, they will be out of the playoffs, and the winner will be the sixth seed by virtue of a head-to-head win over the Steelers. The Colts and, Dol- Colts and Ravens were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, yeah, they don't have that updated, but the Ravens were eliminated with that loss. So, yeah, th- this comes down to the Steelers and either the Chargers or the Raiders. I think the... Uh, the seeds are finalized. Somebody please tell me if this is not the case. The Titans won, and with that clinched uh, the top seed in the AFC. Uh, only one of us, Lance, said that the Titans would be the the, uh, the biggest drop-off team in the AFC this year. That was, that was you, pro- right? That was probably me. I'm sure you are <laughs> no, reminding me. me of that. <laughs> oh, oh, it was you. Okay. All right. It, was, ab- it. it was absolutely me. Um, the, the Chiefs. Uh, clinched the two seed, and that would host the the seventh seed. It's exactly what Pittsburgh wants to do, um, return to the scene of the crime three weeks later and play the Chiefs. Um, That is what will happen. They will be at Kansas City. Buffalo is the three seed and hosting either the Chargers or the Raiders. Raiders. And you've got uh, Cincinnati hosting New England in what looks like a really fun game. That's going to be a a nice little match. A week of film uh, Spygate discussion, considering two years ago, you might remember, the Patriots right. in filming one of their work documentaries uh, was caught keeping an active film camera on the Bengals' sidelines as they were trying to highlight an advanced scout's job for their um, <clears throat> legit uh, in-studio production. I'm sure that was the case, but I am sure Belichick is smart enough to, to see uh, what the Bengals had coming and wanted to get an extra edge. Um, I enjoy those talks. I think it's funny. Um, I think it both happened and didn't happen. So I, I think there is something to gain. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. It's not that it big of a deal, but yes. it is fun uh, to discuss it because it did happen. They literally caught them doing it. Uh, the extent of which is always going to be up in the air for discussion. But um, it, it's a tough AFC field. There's no doubt about that. I don't think the Steelers have a prayer in hell of being the Chiefs. Um I think the fact that they made the playoffs this season is still beyond comprehension. Um, and with that, too, if you want to get into uh, draft status, Lance, that would put the Steelers at the very earliest at number 19 overall. Oh, okay. Okay, I always, I, I'm always confused at how that, that, that works itself out. Before we jump into a couple more topics. Wait, that isn't right. I, I'm not sure. It's, I, I have no idea. Yeah, it is right. Sorry, it is nineteen overall. Okay, I have I have no idea. I just you know at, at a, least I mean they win they'll go lower, but the highest they can get now is nineteen overall. You know I'm not a draft guy, so I have pay attention. Um, let's do this real quick before we talk about a few more topics. Uh, let's just apologize to Ray Ray McLeod on this show. <laughs> Let's, let's just do this. And there's I gotta been do, a, I got to do this twice in a day. And, and, and there's been and there's early. been a ton of people in the live <laughs> chat. But 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 yes, we're going to apologize to that guy named Ray Ray McLeod. And you know, here's the interesting thing about football that that I love about the game of football is it's always about opportunity. 
Uh, a lost opportunity is typically an opportunity gained by another ball player. And for guys chasing their dream, and I was wrong absolutely um, about Ray Ray McLeod, but it's great to see guys chase their dream and have success because Ray Ray McLeod has done what you want professionals to do. Get to the task. Get to the task. Work on your craft and try to get better. Get your head in the playbook, practice hard with purpose and intent and see what it happens and, and put everything out there and, and see what happens. And that's what Ray Ray McLeod has done this year. He has steadily improved this entire year. That's a credit to him. That's a credit to the coaching. And that's a credit to Ben Roethlisberger, who has shown a trust in Ray Ray McLeod. And it's grown over the course of the year, which, which is a, even more of a testament to his work. So I stand corrected. And you won't hear any other podcast or any other shows do this. You know, when we make statements, you know, we get it wrong. But, you know, so we stand on those statements. I was wrong about Ray Ray McLeod. And I think Ray Ray McLeod has positioned himself nicely to be a member of this roster next year because he's played quality football over the course of this season. And so to kudos to Ray Ray McLeod and the coaching staff for getting him prepared and for him playing well. So apologies from me personally to Ray Ray McLeod. I'm going to open the floor up for you, Neil, for your Neil LaCopa. I would say this. <clears throat> I am not going to say that I was wrong about Ray Ray McLeod because I didn't end Ray Ray McLeod's career. I didn't. Well, I know I probably did call out why he was even on the roster at some point, but that was more as a punt returner. I think what we should go back to is uh, training camp. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster talking about how he wanted to play outside. Somebody asked him uh, who would play inside if he didn't, and he confidently said Ray Ray McLeod. I confidently laughed. <laughs> In many ways, it was a, a ridiculous notion. He was clearly a return guy. He has emerged over the second half of the season to be a fairly reliable target. He had a big drop in this game um, after I had praised him, after I had said um, he's out of my doghouse. He came – that was a huge catch. I don't – we're going to be talking catch. about that. That was a huge catch. In my opinion, one of the biggest plays of the season for the Steelers. It was one of the few even kind of explosive plays that the Steelers had in this game, and they had to win the game. Uh, he came up big – and has over the last several games now to a point where, yeah, I will say that this is somebody I'm excited about hearing his number called now. I mean, after the game when he got like 19 targets in the first three drives, I forget which game that was, but it, it seemed ridiculous. And, you know, he didn't really match uh, the expectations that he was being given with that kind of production, but he has stepped up his game. He's making plays deeper down the field than he was. He's not just a screen guy. He's getting open across the middle. And that, that's a huge value. Um, that This is truly one of the worst offensive teams in football. So we're, we're praising mediocrity because it isn't what the other stuff that we're seeing. But you, everything that you said is true. This is a guy, he's being paid the NFL equivalent of minimum wage. He is taking on a very dangerous and very brutal position. The slot receiver has like no lifespan. They, they don't live for very long. They get hurt often as we saw with Juju when they were handing him the ball off back in week five, he has risen above the expectations. I think of where he was, which I don't think is necessarily that hard to do 
But at the same time, I think he went far enough ahead of all of them to say that this, he's a legitimate player on this team. He's a legitimate contributor uh, to what they're trying to do and to what they're building. You know, I'm not saying it pushes Juju off the roster, but right now, Ray Ray with returnability at 500 a year is uh, way more valuable than Juju at 7 million a year. No special teams contributions. Um, Ray Ray has made that decision, frankly, pretty easy for him. And it, that's the end of Juju in Pittsburgh. They're going to stick with Ray Ray. That, that's, a, that's a guarantee. And I think he can continue to improve. I think he can grow a little bit more. Um, not going to be an all pro guy. He's not going to be a 90 catch guy. But if, if he can catch 45, 50 balls, you know, a couple of game, um, stretch some chains and hang on to the damn punt and, and return a few in a nice return in this game as well. Uh, you're looking at a, a pretty good value for once again, a team that took an undrafted free agent, made him into a starter and then made him into a, a pretty solid contributor. Once again, the Steelers have a, a, a bunch of players like that. They're going to continue to follow that model. And we're going to continue to see players uh, rising above what our expectations are for them. Yeah, and that's that's the point out coaching. And that's the thing typically that doesn't get pointed out is guys are coaching. I mean, guys are earning their paychecks. Guys are coaching and guys are getting better. Another example of good coaching is Witherspoon. Witherspoon has improved steadily over the course of the season. So guys are coaching. Guys are, are, are doing their thing. And big up to Chatty Lackis. That's a new person on the chat. Big up to Chatty. I love, I love that name, Chatty Lackis. That's great. Chatty Cakes. That's like I already gave you a nickname already, Chatty. So that means you have to be on the show every week. And that and while we're apologizing, I see Melvin is hitting us on the dual seven and tens. Melvin, we did pick seven and ten. I'll, I'll stand hey, by that all day. You know, I'll, I'll stand that, it should have yeah, been lower than that. You know, I'll stand really that by that all and, yeah. and, and, and Mel chimed in. Well, what about the seven and ten? Mel, I, I thought this was a seven and ten team. Statistically. When you look at this team and you look at some of the wins that this team got, statistically, it is a 7-10 team. But statistics don't matter always when it comes down to wins and losses, which is the most pertinent stat, is wins and losses. But you're still talking about a team that probably has a plus-minus of, hell, close to 80 points. I mean, so that means a lot of these games were losable. I mean, where the ball is bouncing right, so on and so forth, and that's something that you can't take account for. But this team was in the realm of a 7-10 and 10 team. I mean, hell, this team tied a team that was winless. You know, so, you know, so this, this that you keep what you kill. You, you keep what you kill. You're going to the playoffs. But the 7-10 and 10 was not out of the realm. I was off. We were off by, by, by two games. Mel also said, did MT exceed your expectations? Mike Tomlin, I think, is a Hall of Fame coach. So I, I don't necessarily – I don't know how I judge Mike Tomlin. I, I just have the same expectations that the football team is going to be prepared situationally. They're going to be prepared. They're going to go out and play. One thing I know about the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin is they are going to – you're going to get an honest effort out of Tomlin coach teams. They care about the game. They are trying to win the games. You are not going to get performances typically like you saw with the Browns last Monday where they clearly had no interest in winning the football game. God. Zero. So 
you know, Mike Tomlin is always going to grit it out. And is this one of his most impressive coaching performances? Absolutely. Given this roster, given the number of rookies that played, given the state of the quarterback, absolutely. This was an excellent season of coaching from Mike Tomlin. But yes, they are a 7-10 and 10 team that finished 9-7-1. and one. I was wrong. But I was close to not being wrong. But I'm glad I was wrong. I always like being wrong because if I'm wrong, that typically means they have had more success than I thought. But this football team is a weird football team. This has been a weird year. And I think Neil hit it perfectly. The best thing that they do is figure out how to win. And that's not a bad quality to have in a league that counts your wins and your losses. I'll say this as far as, as Mel's comment goes, seven and ten was factoring in a great job with from Mike Tom, my opinion. Yeah, I, actually. I had him going above what they should have been from a talent perspective because of Mike Tom. And he went the opposite side of that and tacked on two more wins to it. So I, I think you you have the, the combination of plays that needed to be made, particularly on defense. In, at least in shutting an opponent down uh, in, in these tight games. They learned how to uh, make their opponents blink instead of blinking themselves. They were comfortable winning ugly. And I think, it, as, as convenient as this sounds, I think the Ravens are an excellent example of a team that was not comfortable winning ugly. I like You think I was bad with Ray Ray McLeod. Get me started on Hollywood Brown sometime. You want to talk about an absolute bum. I can't stand that guy. You're sitting on the sideline. You have your toes pointed. You catch the ball like this, and, and you, you can't brace it. You can't protect it, knowing the safety is bearing down on you. It, it, honestly, they could have lost the game because of that play. And those are the kinds of plays you make when you're losers. And the Ravens this year played like losers. Today, they played like losers. No reason they should have lost that game. There's no reason you should have dropped that pass. He contributes to nothing but stats. He is a complete stat book player. And guys like that don't win you games ugly. You can't count on them in the muck like this game was. Who could you count on? The only guy in that team that plays with any heart at all is Mark Andrews. I would kill to have that guy in the Steelers. He's an all-pro player. Honestly, one of the five best players in the league this year, in my opinion. Great player. Everything that he had to do to catch a pass. Tomlin put four guys on him at one point. And they were still getting him targets. He's that good of a player. They didn't get anything from anybody else in that offense as far as catching the ball goes. Quarterback, they need to help that kid out quite a bit. I think he 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 showed a lot of things in a pretty tough four-game stretch for him when they were clearly just kind of putting Lamar on the shelf. Huntley did some things that I really like. He's an interesting project. I think they've done a good job with him. He should have been a lot better today. But when your receivers aren't making plays, when he's not coming back to the ball on the sideline, knowing the safety is coming down on you, if he's not getting in front of that. If he's going to leave the ball there for, for the defender to come in and knock away, I don't want him on my team. I really don't. I don't care how talented he is. I don't care how fast he is. I don't care whose cousin he is. He's a bum. And it, honestly, things like that will lose you games. The Steelers don't do that. The Steelers aren't any good. They don't make those plays anyway. They, they get lucky enough that the receiver lets the defensive back knock it away. But their receivers wouldn't have done that. Hell, they just would have dropped it, you know, especially late. I think three of them had drops in overtime. 
I love the way you describe the Steelers in that, and, and I think in our lives, we've come across people who are very confident in who they are, who they are, how they look, how they present themselves. And when, when you find that type of individual, like you can find a person <laughs> that might not be the most attractive person, but is very comfortable. Or let's say you find a person that's a little bit overweight, right? A um, little bit out of shape, but is very confident in their body image. They come off with a ton of power. When people are very comfortable in who they are and what they are, there's a confidence and an energy that just oozes off of them. And it was a great description that you had, I think, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're confident in what they are as a football team. They realize they're flawed offensively. They realize they don't get a lot of explosive plays in their offense. What they try to do is slow play the game. Don't turn it over. Try not to give up big plays. Try to keep the game close. So in those moments where football character has to show up, they can make those plays. And so they're very comfortable in the world. I, don't, I can't remember the, the cliche that Tomlin says all the time, but they're very comfortable in the world they live in. They're very comfortable being this gritty type outfit this year. I want to ask one more game question. Then I want to ask you uh, uh, the story that broke earlier. And I'm not sure if you guys broke it. Steeler Wire broke it about Kevin Colbert. But I wanted to ask a defensive question. Did you see anything different in terms of how the defense was deployed today with Keith Butler being out with uh, Tomlin and Terrell Austin doing the majority of the play calling? Uh, today with, with Tomlin in charge, I, I didn't see anything different. Did you? I saw them give up 200-some rushing yards. I saw them. <laughs> At least they got a couple third down stops. That was sort of nice. But 249 rushing yards. No, this looks pretty much just like the Steelers. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Tomlin said after the game, Butler was calling the stuff in from home. It, it's, nothing, they're not gonna, it's not coaching. It's not scheme. They don't have the dudes. We've talked about this a, a bunch. All due respect to them, it's not like people want to act like you can just come in and, and control 11 players to be below average or above average. It's one thing or the other. They're not very talented defensively. Just I, I know that's the shocker of the year, right? This is what you tuned in to, to listen to. It's the most obvious statement I'll ever make. They're not very good. And that was the same thing. It, it Also, what was similar is the opponent's lack of desire to make them pay for that. I, I don't know why. I have no idea why they didn't run the ball more than they did. Um, they should have. Plain and simple, they should have. Um, I thought they blitzed Baltimore a little left, bit more. Baltimore left, I don't know how many opportunities out on the field. They threw I'd have to, on third I'd have down to chart way it. too often. I mean, I'd have to chart it. I thought they blitzed a little bit more. Um, that was about the only thing. I thought they were as inconsistent as typically as they typically are in the run game. Yeah, I, I didn't. No, they see were actually any... not inconsistent. They were what they are yes. in terms of yeah, stopping and run. That's man. what I mean. It, it, if there yeah. were differences, I'm sure there. There's always differences game to game. There are always differences. You're going to do different things each game, but it, the the results obviously were very similar. Baltimore turned the ball over way too much. Um, when you have your center snapping into his own nuts, knocking the ball on the ground in the first quarter. You have a quarterback making a, a absolutely boneheaded decision to throw the ball where he did. You're not going to win. And this, we said the same thing after the Tennessee game. Pittsburgh has excelled not snap to snap. That the sum of their holes yes, is greater than the agree. sum of their parts. 
somehow. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but that's what they've been able to do. And a lot of it is as bad as it's been, they're just not stopping. They're not the team giving up at the end. They're fighting through it. And I think some of it, it, as weird as this is to say, I think you know, getting your ass kicked in the first quarter and a half of a game builds up a sense that this is four quarters and we have to play for four quarters. That's what the Steelers did. They've had to play to five quarters twice. You know now. what? You know what? To, to that point, I, I think because they've had so many bad stretches in games, offensively, bad stretches don't really bother them anymore. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, they, 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 they don't. They, they kind of know it. They 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 kind of know um, what it looks like. And uh, thanks, Mel, for hopping on. Mel bought the bar shots for the playoffs. Uh, and, and Mel's going to have his cigar. Mel, enjoy the cigar. Enjoy the scotch. I hope you're drinking a single malt. And uh, we're going to be talking about the playoffs next week. I mean, hey, we're going to break down that Kansas City game. Before we jump into the Colbert news, what were your thoughts on J.C. Hassenhauer? I thought J.C. Hassenhauer was solid. I, I Here's what I think about J.C. I thought it was solid. I thought it was above the line. And I think the difference between him and Kendrick Green is sort of what you said about the snap-to-snap at times may have looked similar, but it's the combination of the entire painting or the puzzle piece. When you put it all together and you add up the pluses and the minuses, J.C. Hassenhauer has more consistent snap-to-snap play than Kendrick Green. There were some snaps that were ugly where he was getting he was absolutely getting worked. Where he looked 290 and he was he could not anchor yeah, and was getting killed. Yeah. There were some plays that were that's like that that were ugly. <laughs> but there was a lot of moments where you know him and LeGlue duo were duoing guys, being able to get to the second level and do some things. LeGlue was getting handled sometimes by Calais Campbell, and that's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, he was he was <laughs> on a sled of, like three or four plays. I mean, I was just like, wow. really bad. <laughs> it's like this guy's on a sled, but <laughs> my boy Johnny LeGlue. I think Consistency-wise, play-to-play, he proved to me to be more consistent than Kendrick Green, where he looks like center is the position that he should play, or at least I think in the last two weeks, I'm presuming he's going to start against Kansas City, that I think these next three games will solidify his role on the roster next year, either as a starter or as a backup. I think J.C. Hassenhauer will be on the Steelers next year. I, yeah, there's certainly no reason to, to lose him. Um, two starts at the end of the season. Um, was he had three overall in his career? He's appeared a couple times. Uh, he's a young guy. He's super cheap. He can't go anywhere. Um, you always need depth on your offensive line. I think this, this season proved that uh, just as well as any other. They have the ability to add to that depth. Now, I'm not sure that you, right where I sit today, I'm not sure you want Hassenauer as, as your you know week one starter. Um, I wouldn't think so. What I know, though, is you you better have something up your sleeve if you say it's Kendrick Green next year, too. I, I don't know what he did to earn that. If there's a third option, that's great. You could keep both of them. I mean, depth is good. Experience is good. Half an hour, um, it, it, as it, I, I'll paraphrase Mike Tomlin, but in, in many ways, his um, biggest deficit is the scale. He's just not a very big guy. Uh, Calais Campbell, on the other hand, is an extremely large guy, and it literally looked like older brother and younger brother on some of those snaps. Not even fair how much bigger Campbell is than him. He, he looked now, like he was stealing the food. 
yeah, he's stealing yeah. the plate. It's it's he's he's the pod boss. You know, you don't you can't mess with that guy. But Hassenauer bit down, gave it hell. He did his best. He's going to get overpowered at the point of attack. They know that he's not long enough. He's not big enough. Um, he can't be more than six feet. I was on a plane with him this this summer. I was standing not too far from him. I'm taller than he is, and he might be two ninety. He's not a big guy at all. You're talking like um, Chris Hoke was a, a noticeably small nose tackle who got away, made a, a like a 12 year NFL career out of the fact that he was really smart and he was tactically supreme. But if a guy got locked in on him, Hoke was done. It's the same thing with Hasnauer. He's not going to be uh, a, a matchup success, and that's tough to plan around. He might not need that, but at the same time, um, it, it seems like he understands what they're trying to do better. Um, he can get the snap off and get his hands up. That's something Green really couldn't do most of the time, in, in my opinion. Hasnauer, with it, it, in a two-game sample, I think Hasnauer put up a, a better overall impression than Green did. Um, Green agree. is Green's a, a little bit younger. Green did not have, um, well, to be honest, Hasnauer didn't even play in college, so this is like the first time he's essentially played at all. Um, they, they have question marks at center, but absolutely Hasnauer – is somebody they're going to want to to continue to be on that roster and continue to build and develop. He's a great interior depth piece in the mold of a, a, a BJ Finney, even a, a, a Chris Hubbard to some degree. He started off as a guard as well. They prize uh, offensive line versatility. And I think Hasnauer gives them some depth. It's not a guy that you're going to sign to a $10 million contract, but he's cheap and he can't go anywhere. So get the most run that you can out of him. And that's what they're doing. I don't know what they're going to do at center next year. I, I think that's, that's a wide open question. Um, without an offensive line coach in place, and to that degree as well, without uh, an assistant offensive line coach in place, you don't know how this is all going to shake out. But I, I will say this, you need to tip your cap to J.C. Asenauer because he, for, for his size, for his pedigree, two things we talk about a lot, um, he didn't even have pedigree. You know, not even an undrafted yeah, free agent. He had to try no... out to get on the team, to, right. to get in, to get into minicamp to try out. He had to try out. So he he's overcome quite a bit to, to become, you know, two games, two and oh, in those two games, uh, a starter on the Steelers. And you, you have to appreciate what he had to go through to, to get that. And it, it's worth a look. I, I absolutely. He's on the team next year. In my opinion, I don't see any reason why you'd cut him uh, depending on what they do with practice squad rules that might change again, but top to bottom, I think he availed himself very well. And it, that's, it's impressive to see that especially for, you know, Minnesota kid who didn't play in, in, in college. <laughs> like he got in like five games in four years at Alabama. And before we talk about Kevin Colbert, <laughs> go Bison. Congratulations to the SDSU Bison. Absolutely destroying. What was it? North Dakota State University. We are North Dakota State University. They beat Montana State University. No, Montana State. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. You are North Dakota. Yeah, they beat Montana State. Yeah, they absolutely destroyed that kid. They knocked the quarterback out like in the first play of the he, game. He but, was hurt. He was hurt to some degree, but yeah, yeah it they, felt they, like it. They pistol whipped that team from from the jump. They're not even close. Kevin Colbert, I was surprised to wake up to see Steelers Wire. I don't know if you guys broke the story, but I was surprised to see uh, that Kevin Colbert is going to step down following the conclusion of the twenty twenty. Excuse me, the twenty twenty two draft. And you're going to see two of the big three depart in 2022, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, as well as Kevin Colbert. I knew that, the, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't going to come back. I was surprised that Kevin Colbert 
would step down as well. But this, it's been a rough last couple of years with COVID and a lot of different things. It's been really rough. And I'm sure it's been really rough on Colbert, anyone older um, trying to do their job in this atmosphere. Um, will Kevin Colbert stay on as a consultant of some sort? Is that being reported? <clears throat> Any names floating around as the next GM? A couple, a couple things with no, we didn't break it. Um, Ian Rappaport uh, tweeted it. I happened to see it. I wrote the story because I was up, and and uh, Kurt, I don't think was up yet. I'm not sure, but I happened to see it, knowing it, it's a big deal. It's a big story. Um, Kevin Colbert uh, planning to step down uh, following the draft, which is kind of normal for a general manager. That the, the cycle of a season isn't um, start to finish of games. It, it's how they're organizing. Um, in many ways, scouting, uh, scouting efforts, evaluation efforts, they will complete the internal um, roster stuff in, in February as they're ramping up uh, the full on evaluations of uh, college players. And what that means is they get the, the coaches uh, as well as the scouts to look at film of players and, and give their input. The general manager is overseeing the efforts to collect that data and, and compile it together in a way that they can make an informed decision on, on how they want to proceed uh, with pro days and things like that. You need somebody steering that ship. So Colbert can't just leave when they're done playing. There, there's a lot more work that he's already started uh, this season that right. isn't going to be complete until late April. So Colbert's job, in, in essence, would be to go through the draft. You're also going to, it's not uncommon. You see general managers get fired after the draft uh, pretty often. It's usually, you started the cycle of drafting. You can't necessarily bring somebody else in to head those efforts. Your best candidates might not be able to come at that point anyway. So you, you give them the whole draft cycle. He's going to be done after that. And what I am hearing, um, and this has been kind of common knowledge, there have been two, there, there are two uh, very well-regarded general manager candidates within the Steelers organization. The first one is, is um, uh, Omar Khan, Who's had, I think, three general manager interviews. That's, over that's the what years. I thought that, that that would be the name. Uh, he, I would say on paper, everything that I know, he would be uh, the most likely candidate. However, I have heard from somebody uh, who's given me good information before, Brandon Hunt, who's younger, a little bit less experienced. He is somebody that they consider to be a front runner. So, to be honest, um, it, it's interesting. I could see it going either way. Either way, I can promise you now, within three years, both of those guys will be general managers. And I, the Steelers know that. I think they've how known solid that. Is, how solid is Khan on the football side? Because uh, when you when you hear he's about a, he's Khan, a part of all of this, you know. I mean, you in, in always fact, hear about him in terms of the financial stuff, the yeah, cap stuff. He's, he's business and football operations. Colbert is a scout by nature. Khan has a background in that. I think he, nowadays you come up through scouting as well as business development, probably okay. analytics solutions. You, you, you're a bit more well-rounded as a general manager. The younger guys tend to, to have uh, that, that high-end education. You know, Colbert, all due respect to Colbert, I think he's done a phenomenal job. He went to Robert Morris. You know, it's not like he's, he's no, got advanced no, degrees or anything like that. No disrespect. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. I went to North Dakota State. That's the Robert Morris of North Dakota. You know, it's kind of the same thing. The, the point is um, Hunt, I think, is more of a Colbert type, whereas Khan is is kind of the, the Rooney type, the, the uh, football as well as business and law uh, background. I would have thought, like I said, with, with the exception of the source who, who contacted me today, I would have thought Omar Khan was going to be the guy. Um, I'm hearing that it's more likely from my source's perspective that Brandon Hunt is, is going to be him. I would not be surprised either way in the sense that they're not making a mistake. 
both are very highly regarded. Um, Hunt is like my age, which is really kind of weird. It makes me sit in my place and recognize what I'm doing. But it, it's um, it, it's good either way. The, uh, multiple teams have been interested in both of these guys for a couple of years. So they, they have the internal candidate. Um, both are minorities as well. I'm not sure if that would – I forget what exactly the ruling or the, the wording is of the expanded Rooney rule as far as what they have to interview externally. Uh, they may need to have external interviews. They may do them just to, to round out the approach and to kind of you know set people off the trail. The real surprise would be if it is somebody who is not Omar Khan or Brandon Hunt. It's going to be one of those two. It sounds like from your comments that it's definitely going to be from within the organization. Do you see it as a as a case where do you lose one if you hire one? So I would, you hire I would if, think. I mean, it only makes sense if, yeah, if you lose one. If there are two of you there and you're somewhat rivals, um, I, I don't want to put, I don't want to paint a picture that I don't understand, but logically speaking, um, they don't report to each other. And if they're in kind of the same wavelength, the general manager job that both would have been uh, at least, you know, I'm sure the thought crossed their mind that Kevin Colbert isn't exactly as young as springtime. And um, one of probably one of the two of them are going to get that job. The other one, is probably going to be a very good candidate to be in a better position with another organization. Uh, this this is this is true of any industry in in the United States right now. If you want to make money, if you want to move up the the alleged corporate ladder, you need to move companies. You don't stay in the same company. So yeah, if the opportunity if, if the opportunity is there for one of those two to become general manager, I'm sure one of them will. The other one though is going to get a better opportunity somewhere else, largely yeah, because typically. of that. Yeah, and you, you've got two form two former Steelers owners are owners of other NFL teams. I don't think the the Browns are going to make a move, but you can't look at the Carolina Panthers and think that's all going well. I'd imagine that that uh, Mr. Tepper is not incredibly thrilled with it. Um, there might be a role for a guy like like Hunter Khan. Um, in fact, I think he's interviewed both of them at, at different points. So it, it, they they could get work elsewhere. That's a not just a title either. It's a pay raise. Um, an easier track to, to something else, perhaps. There are a lot of ways that they can work it. And at the same time, the Steelers aren't going to block them. If, you know, yeah. I'm not going to keep you in your job. If I didn't, if you interviewed for a GM job and didn't get it, I'm not going to make you stay in your, in your current right, job. Right, right, They'll right. let them go. So I, right, I would right. imagine the other one will leave as well, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to put my money on Omar Khan because he's just because he's been there longer and he has the, the, the cap part as well. The business part as well. So I'm gonna just put my money on Omar Khan. Before we get out of here, Neil, is there anything you want to plug? I know you did the article about Colbert. We just talked about. I saw another article about the top five potential replacements. Is there anything else you want to point to before we get out of here? No, I, I think um, it's it's a crazy new world. We've got a game next week. I did not expect yes, we that. Do. Um, <laughs> watch it tonight. Watch it tonight. Maybe we have an emergency. 15 minute episode after that game when we we confirm that they're playing the Chiefs which is pretty much a mathematical certainty I think Um, waiting for somebody to tell me otherwise Um, they'll have the Chiefs of all teams I I hate to say this but you know what I'm going to do Lance I'm going to plant this seed I remember saying the same exact thing in in 2000 in 2005 regarding a rematch against the Colts I remember um, the end of the the Bengals win in the wild card round saying, you know what? I'm glad they just beat the Bengals. The Colts are going to kill them just like they did a couple weeks ago. And that's fine because the Colts are unstoppable. They're great. They're they're the best team in the NFL. I'm fine with that. The fact they beat the Bengals in the playoffs is a great thing for me. It's a great feeling for me. 
And the Steelers went out and beat the Bengals, then the Broncos, then the Seahawks, and they won the Super Bowl. There is no way on God's green earth that's going to happen. But could you imagine? Could you imagine if they went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs? Hey, that's, that's all you got to do is TJ Watt swim move, TJ Watt swim move, sack Chad Henney early. Hey, Let's hey, go. It's possible. It's possible. Let's go. It's possible. It can it happen. But let's get out of here, listeners. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.